In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode 72. Andrew and Jerry's 12 Pains of Christmas, and boy, do I have some today. Uh, I am Andrew Langer. Jerry Rogers. And uh, and uh, so glad you can all join us uh, right now. It's it literally just after the kickoff of the holiday season. We're going to talk later on in the show about the songs that... Uh, that officially kick off the Christmas season for us. I've I've been playing them. I did not start playing them until after Thanksgiving. Uh, but more on that in, in a second. I, we want to talk about this. We may not get to all 12, though I think Jerry and I, between the two of us, probably have many more than 12 pains uh, during this holiday season. Um, but I, I want to I start here, Jerry, with this crazy story. You know, as the... Um, as the uh, the hostages supposedly start getting released or as the ceasefire uh, gets extended uh, uh, every once in a while, uh, we're still seeing the craziness on the part of the left. I actually went to, Jerry, I don't know if I told you this, I went to a pro-Israel rally in Williamsburg on Saturday. Did I tell you about that? You did, a little bit. I was very buoyed by this. Uh, it was put on by a number of different activists in town. It was very much spur of the moment. They're going to do another one, a bigger one. And one of the things that buoyed me, it wasn't just that there was a diverse number of people showing up, um, but also the 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 overwhelming popular sentiment, um, even in a college town like Williamsburg, was pro-Israel. Lots of enthusiastic and positive. I guess I I guess I should ca- you know catch this positive horn honking. I guess there could have been negative horn honking. We only had a couple of minor incidents of people you know flashing the bird um one group of uh so-called palestinians sort of pulled over uh, and wanted to engage folks in debate as this is all going on and and, you know the the sanity is happening uh there was this city council meeting in uh in oakland which i know you've seen you want me to play a clip of this jerry sure and just uh, it deserves a setup because please the hatred the misunderstanding of history the anti-Semitism, the racism, uh, and and all of them are wrong on the facts. So it's not just the racism. It's their complete misunderstanding of the history of Israel, the Middle East. Let me tell you this. If this was a town hall meeting where a bunch of Republicans or MAGA Trump supporters got 100%. up and started putting out this kind of hate and ignorance. It would be the front story on every newspaper, on every journal, on every cable news. CBS, NBC, ABC would be leading with it, and it would be an example of you know the uh, the rise of of white nationalism. Right. Instead. The only reason why I found out about it is because uh, Jonah Goldberg tweeted right. it out last night. And Jerry oh. and I still are following Jonah Goldberg. We have high well, hopes. Look, Jonah. God bless Jonah. He is a smart guy. Is, I disagree with him on some of the stuff. But when it comes down to basic principle, right yeah. and wrong, right. you know, jo- following Jonah on, on, on Twitter is a good thing. And and or, and, or and X, Jonah, whatever I believe, also raised the point that if that if that if at the same time as as the news organizations will be talking about it. Every single Republican candidate from top to bottom from would have to Donald denounce Trump it down would have to would have to denounce it would be asked about it relentlessly. And if they did denounce it, they would be told they didn't denounce it enough. Uh, here's what we know. We know this is Oakland. This is a bastion of progressivism. These are progressive Democrats. You know, they are progressives. Let's not let's not say that they're necessarily Democrats. Though I would think that the that the Oakland City Council is probably you know all Democrats, um, but these are certainly progressive activists, leftist activists who are showing up at the City Council meeting. Here's here's what they had to say. There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October seventh. Calling Hamas. Is, is Israel? Th- this this is the latest conspiracy theory out of the left. 
A, there is the semantics that the babies weren't beheaded. But if they were beheaded, it wasn't by uh, uh, Hamas. It was by Israel, which is just 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 crazy. Uh, here's the next one. Hamas, a terrorist organization, is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. As an Arab, asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist. The notion that this was... By, by the way, Jerry, I, I, I wasn't aware that, well, listen, we've talked about Islamophobia here before, but I, I, I wasn't aware that, that Arabs were a, a separate race from everybody else. Well, of course they are. And this is why they are part of the intersectionality movement, diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, at but the I, end I, of the hold day. Hold on, hold on. My point, my point, Jerry, is. I know, I know. That you, according you're, to you're, the being, left, you're, you're being a little flip. And I was and I was trying to make a serious but, point. But no, it's it. also but it's also this, the serious point that uh, according to the left, Jews can hide amongst their their whiteness. Right. So so Jews aren't considered separate parts of the whole concept of white supremacy or white national white nationalism, um, despite the fact that white nationalists are anti-Semites. Uh, and anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, again, this 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 problem on the left of their racism and their hatred, it's all steeped comes out of the DEI movement, the equity movement, number one, number two. Let's be honest about this. You know, everyone's so afraid to talk about race. The reason why we can hate Jews, the reason why you can march on college campuses in major cities, uh, in uh, in the city hall and, and call for the destruction of Israel and Jews is because it's it's viewed by the left uh, from now. this in, intersectionality, yes. right, where uh, everything is oppressor versus the oppressed and the Jews for some reason, are now the oppressor. They right. are. They are. They are evil, and any by any means necessary, you can destroy the Jews. You That's know, what we're seeing. Know, listen, do you want me to continue with this, or or or? or well, oh, sure, but but hold on, hold on. Back to this in a second. I want to remind. I want to remind our our listeners though that this is what your children are being taught at university and in the public schools. This is diversity, equity, inclusion is what's being taught. It is the it is the underpinning of America's public school system, yeah. which is why we have the rise of racial hatred on the progressive left. You know, it reminds me of something. Do you remember? I mean, you, you talk about this and we've talked quite a bit about how this rise in anti-Semitism is the culmination of 50 years plus of progressive policy. And I want to circle back to the late 1980s in Brooklyn and the conflict then and how the shades of this, right? Remember, I mean, remember there was a huge anti-Semitic sentiment amongst some of the more radical- um, it, it, what, Andrew- you know, we don't have to couch this as it's only the radicals. No, it was it was Al Sharpton. Right. And it was uh, the uh, respected leaders of of Harlem churches. And it was coming from the mainstream New York Jesse, City. Jesse Jackson. Uh, uh, New York, so, Jesse Jackson. Civil, Jackson civil rights movement. Right. Again, this I, you know, the. Because again, it, and, and the next time I hear diversity is our strength, I'm going to point to the Jew hatred. Right. No, diversity right. is not a strength, it's a weakness. When all we focus on is our differences, you become tribal, balkanized. Right. And what's happening is um, the left has turned America into Europe. Yeah, you know, uh, insofar as we are now balkanized, we are now tribalized. It's yeah. dangerous, and I'm not. You know, there's a really good argument going on between uh, folks at the Claremont in Institute, uh, the American Mind, Law and Liberty, that crowd, uh, versus the uh, the more traditional conservatives, the Acton Institute, and elsewhere. Where one side is saying that we're being overrun, you know, broken arrow, 
the vandals are amongst us. Mm. And and unless we really fight back, uh, all is lost. Yeah. That's I mean, I I'm paraphrasing, I'm simplifying it, but essentially that, that's the Michael Anton yeah. uh, uh wing of the conservative movement warning that again, broken arrow, the enemy is among us. The enemy is running us. The enemy is running our schools, our higher uh higher uh, higher education institutions, our boardrooms, etc. Uh our our media our media boardrooms, uh, et cetera. And, and for, for many conservatives, they're still, they're still like wide eyed and America, the shining Hill kind of stuff. That's over. I don't understand why conservatives don't understand. It's time to roll up your sleeves and fight back. We still have too many conservatives who are, who want to play parliamentary games, you know, and I'll end it here because I'm, I'm I'm on a rant. I thought about this today. I thought about Mitt Romney said recently that he would vote for many Democrats over Donald Trump. Who? Yeah. I love that. He says this, but what Democrat? Joe Biden and what Joe Biden has done in terms of of politicizing the DOJ, in terms of censorship, in terms of of attacking institutions like the Supreme Court, uh, like introducing the most radical transgendered policies. Uh, and and uh, and DEI policies on in, in the federal government. What, what Democrat? Where is the good Democrat that Mitt Romney would vote for? And Mitt Romney, remember, this guy couldn't beat a damaged, unpopular Barack Obama uh, after Obama's first let's term. Also, let's also flip it around, right, Jerry? It's not as though you know this is this is the the the. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a grand irony or or how we would couch it, but Mitt Romney seems to forget that long before Donald Trump was entering the political arena, Mitt Romney was to the left the second coming of Adolf Hitler. I mean, you know, it it, 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 it it doesn't matter, right? We all understand, you know, the things that Donald Trump does to himself to to make matters worse. But let's not forget the rhetoric that was floating around during the 2012 election and how Mitt Romney was savagely attacked by the leftist press because they simply did they, they they could not stand the idea of any republican no matter right. how moderate and and the lesson in the end is and it gets to what you're talking about in terms of fighting you can make nice with the left and they will they will make nice with you so long as that you are a useful fool or useful tool to them but once you no longer are useful to them or you become some kind of a threat to their power structure, then they will go after you. So the idea, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I was going to mention this. So there's a piece by, um, I, I will say my friend uh, or, or someone I'm friendly with, uh, Malaya Cromer, who's a professor at Goucher College. Um, and she's a pollster and she has run some numbers and she's talking about uh, sort of the economic Achilles heel. Let's set aside that issue for a second, Jerry. Biden's um, Biden's problem with the economy. Biden's problem with the economy. But she spends quite a bit of ink in her piece talking about Larry Hogan and and buttering up Larry Hogan as an example of when uh, Republicans focus on the fundamentals, how they can win. Um, and, and, you know, the only example she uses are a couple of small gimmies that that Larry Hogan in, engaged in. My point in the end is to put up Larry Hogan as some kind of figure to be emulated, again, is a fundamental misunderstanding of the political landscape. Well, Once she's not. Larry a, Hogan I'm sorry. I, I'm going to say this. And I, yeah. and, 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 and I'm at WBAL and uh, this person is a frequent guest. I don't consider her a serious person um, at all. Well, I think she's serious. Jerry. I, I, mean, I, I don't. I think okay. that she, I think that she is partisan. I think that uh, I think that she interprets her. Her, her polling numbers uh, through a political ideology. I think she tries to be moderate, which is like the worst kind of moderate. Be who you are, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know she, and she pretends. I don't like pretenders. I, but and, this, and, this, and in my mind, she's a pretender. This I understand. But Jerry, in, the, in, a, in a realm of political scientists and um, political scientist pollsters who are hacks, I think Malaya Cromer stands out from the crowd. She is not now. I don't. I. I don't particularly think she's hacky. But if she is hacky, she is not as hacky as others. You don't think it's hacky to promote uh, the uh, the Republicanism of of Larry Hogan? 
No, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the political landscape. I think that there's a misrepresentation there. But I think there are a lot of political scientists out there who, you know, have positions that they advocate for that may not be grounded in some kind of an objective reality. Um, you know, and again, sort All right. of well, then, well, then, 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 then you get my point then she's, she's not grounded in political reality. She's not grounded in, but that doesn't make her. Okay. But that, okay. Again, now we're good. Now we're going to argue about the semantics of what, no, 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 but the Christmas the end, we're, we're moving, we're moving, we, we've moving away from my point, which is again, you know, if, if it were Larry Hogan versus Barack Obama, or if it were Larry Hogan versus Joe Biden, or if it's Larry Hogan versus Gavin they would Newsom, they would destroy. That's my uh, point, Larry Hogan. Yes, yes, that Larry Hogan no longer because Larry Hogan is no longer the useful fool. Then it it's Larry Hogan the racist, uh, Larry Hogan the the businessman, Larry Hogan the corrupt. You know all of the all of the the things. Sure. And so my my sure was, the slum the Larry Hogan the real estate slumlord. Yeah, I, this uh, is Larry yeah, Hogan I'm, I'm, I'm the Reagan the Reagan reactionary. Yes, I mean yes. I get I get your point. I just it, my, my problem is uh, the uh, the professor or the university person who comes on and pontificates as if they actually know something. Um, they they, they don't. Well. Um, even their numbers are open to interpretation, and it's it's no big it's no big revelation to say uh, that Ray, uh, that uh, Biden is suffering uh, on the uh, economic front. Gallup, I, I just posted something at Real Clear Policy. Uh, Gallup uh, again, Gallup is not a right center. It's a it's a you know it's a re respected polling organization. Says that Biden is missing the mark almost on every issue. Right. It's almost unprecedented how bad his poll numbers are. And so, you know, th th that's not news. And, and 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 the reality is, and this is is, an, it, you know, telling people, getting people to stay in their lane. The reality is there is no possible way for Joe Biden to craft a a coherent. This is this is what gets me right. Malaya Cromer's area of expertise is polling you know, asking questions and looking at answers. And we can debate how she analyzes those answers and how she frames the questions. Sure. But the, but, you know, the other part of this is recognizing what is happening and what the agenda of the administration is and how it will never be what Malaya Cromer wants it to be, or even what Corinne Jean-Pierre wants it to be in terms of how they're explaining things. And I'll give you a prime example. So right after Cromer's piece dropped into Politico, and I don't know if it was a reaction on the part of the Biden White House or the fact that Saturday was Small Business Saturday, but the Biden administration released a uh, a, a three part Jerry Small Business Assistance Plan, yeah. which, like every other Democrat assistance plan for small business, focuses on loans and focuses on loan guarantees. You know, putting trying to put capital in the hands of these small businesses. What? But but the problem, of course, is. That fifty billion dollars in additional capital, you know, uh, via this program, is dwarfed by the report that we just got from the National Association of Manufacturers, which confirms that the cost of regulation for these businesses, especially small businesses, is three trillion dollars a year. Fifty billion here, very small. Three trillion over here, <laughs> you know. And and then, and, and, then, and then you add on top of that three trillion dollar cost, uh, regulatory cost. You add on top of that. The breakdown of law and order in our cities. Oh, for of course. Uh, you 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 um you add on top of that the the crushing uh, uh burden of property taxes. Uh, the small business owner, the small business person in America, uh, is in my mind uh, undergoing a purposeful political attack. I think the Democrats don't want small businesses because they're independent because right. they. Because they understand how the economy works and how public. Again, you know, uh, we, we talk about this often uh, in Maryland and in Baltimore City. Why would you open up a small business in uh, in Baltimore City when it's unsafe? The public schools are failing, and the political uh, the political establishment is corrupt. Right. You know. So again, corruption, failed schools, public safety, and then on top of that, three trillion dollars so, in regulatory know, it's burden. interesting because it was one of the one of the most striking stories i think i told this on the air you know back when i was working for nfib um we had a member who told me a story about 
trying to open up a small business in DC. And it was a brilliant business model. I won't get into the specifics of the plan. It was a, it was a, a knockout of a business idea. And it took him 14 months from conceiving of the business to getting the doors open. And the first 11 and a half of those months, 12 and a half of those months, were a uh, were dealing with the red tape of Washington DC. Yeah. Um, you know, all the all the hoops he had to jump through to go and, and and deal with these things. And then once he got all the paperwork done, it was a six-week sprint to get the business opened up. And it was a smash. It was it was a a, a working business. In fact, I don't know if it's still open. In fact, I ought to, I ought to reach out and see if it's still well, around. I yeah. suspect that DC's COVID restrictions if it if it hadn't been killed before, the COVID restrictions might have might have might have killed it. Well, let, let me let me just add to that. Remember Cafe Mozart? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, it's closed. Yeah, been closed now for some time. So I had a chance. Uh, that was a was place that the one where, where you where you where you had to hide your face in the uh, in the curtains because of uh, somebody coming in. Oh, that's right. No, that was Cafe. There was two German restaurants. That was yes. the other German restaurant. Okay, oh, but Cafe regardless, Mozart was the one. Cafe Cafe Amadeus was the one on the hill. Cafe, yes. Cafe Mozart was the one downtown. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Cafe long... Mozart, great. Sorry. Great potatoes. Go ahead. Well, the food was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it was a great place to go. And and also, you know, for, you know, for those who are of, of German ancestry, you know, home style cooking and uh, items from Germany. Anyway, I talked to its owner uh, twice uh, during COVID. Uh, we went in there once uh, for 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 uh, for dinner, and Erica and I were the only two people in the restaurant. Wow! And this is a place for our audience. This was a bustling, busy, it was. you know, can you get a table type place? And I asked him. I said, "What's going on?" He said, "Well, number one, um, he could not keep uh, uh, workers. He couldn't keep yeah. wait staff because it was uh, it was uh, it was better for them economically to be." Um, on the dole. to be on to be unemployed yeah because they're because of the crazy unemployment benefits yeah. being paid out during covid on top of that he was forced to shut down and then he had to uh to reopen he had to comply with like plexiglass rules and such yeah. things my point is this everything the government did in its covid response ah. i i say everything to, i exaggerate slightly to make a point everything they did was wrong Yes. Forcing restaurants to shut down was scientifically wrong. The The restaurants were never a vector of spread. And it wasn't like we didn't know. Early on, there were uh, there were there was a, a studies data coming out of New York that showed that um, the spread of covid from restaurants was something like under two percent of the right. spread. Right. Anyway. But my point is Cafe Mozart's now closed. It's not closed because people didn't like the food, the product or the or the service. It's closed for one reason: the heavy hand of 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 local and and federal government. And with that in mind, no small amount of irony goes with this clip the other day from C-SPAN. The Education Secretary uh, Michael Card Miguel Cardona uh, had this to say: oh, here. "We're here, you know, follow up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help." Um, there's there are resources there there's technical assistance jerry i mean now granted he's the education secretary but he doesn't know his history he doesn't know his history does it doesn't know his uh social studies so doesn't do know think- current doesn't know um well it wouldn't be current events but it would be political uh, you know uh, mainstream right. kind of political understanding I, I have a follow-up question the thesis i'm going to present in a second but let me ask you this do, do you think he do you think he wrote this speech or do you think some staffer wrote it well of course some 22 or 23 year old this is staffer wrote the speech of course and and he never but, you, but, but he should have read it and as he's right. reading it he should have realized oh that's a mistake right i mean it, it really isn't said let me let me ask you this because we've been talking about fighting and we've been talking about the shining city on the hill. You and I have spent a lot of time uh, talking about Donald Trump as the candidate. Um, and and you know the fact that this makes the election election twenty twenty four is going to be about Donald Trump. It's going to be about making Donald Trump as toxic as possible. It's going to be about Donald Trump 
uh, trying to exact revenge and and prove his critics wrong and all of those things. It's going to be about Donald Trump. So one would think, and here's my thesis that I want to present to you, Jerry. One would think that it would then behoove the Republicans to nominate someone other than Donald Trump because it takes Donald Trump out of the equation. But does it matter? Does Donald Trump ever leave the equation? Is there any scenario, is there any candidate on the Republican side that that makes the 2024 election about the damage that the Democrats have done and are doing? Or is it just always going to be about Donald Trump? And I would say not just in 2024, but 2026 and 2028. I mean, for a very long time, it's the, going to be about, the, about Donald Trump's legacy. Look, when you when you go back and look at what the left admitted to after the 2020 election, I'm thinking of specifically the Time magazine article that showed their strategy of big tech, big corporations, big media, uh, Democrats working together, uh, not just to defeat Trump, but to make him a pariah. Yeah. And that was their strategy, not just to defeat him, but to make him make him into the boogeyman. Now, let, yes. let, let, let me just continue, please. Then you go forward and 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 you hear about January 6th insurrection. Uh, then you go forward and you see the Philadelphia speech given by Joe Biden, where he wasn't specific. He said anyone, any Republican, any MAGA Republican uh, is evil. He said that. He made right. he, he he literally said his fellow citizens were the enemy. They went so far as to say J six was worse than uh, worse than Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, worse than nine, worse than nine eleven. My point is is that uh, then they went after him uh, with with these law the, the, these these legal lawfare uh, using the Department of Justice, uh, local uh, uh, attorney generals, and prosecutors going after him. This is all about making the center right unacceptable. Right. Donald Trump, you're right. Donald Trump will be the uh, rallying cry for the left forever. And the thing is, the fourth estate, the media, uh, never corrected the record. It didn't give us uh, uh, didn't give us the full truth, only half truths. You know, I find it so incredibly obtuse where you see uh, 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 Congressman Bill Pascrell from New Jersey has been tweeting every day that Donald Trump wants to uh, take over by military force a coup d'etat of the United States. He wants to introduce fascism. He wants to go after his enemies. And I'm thinking to myself, and this isn't just Bill Pascrell. This is right. the Democratic messaging. This is the mainstream media. Do they have eyes to see and ears to hear? What is the left doing to Trump, but using the Department of Justice and using the law against him? What are they doing? The, they're jailing. They, they they are literally jailing their political opponents. Right. Look, J6, I, I, I can't stand it that we can't get our, our wrap our minds around this. Our founding fathers were terrified of the mob, so much so that the T... Uh, the Tea Party, the 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 uh, those who participated in it actually paid for the tea right. that they that they that they threw overboard. My point is is that January sixth was bad on its own merit. It was yes. a mob attack on the on the Capitol. Now there were some who were like, "Hey, what's going on? Hey, we can go in. Thank you very much, officer." Right. There was a lot of that, but there were some there who were uh, in a mob mentality. Right. They should have been arrested and punished. But we've turned it into something that is like the ultimate um, propaganda. I think about Total Recall. Remember Total Recall? Oh, yeah. The original sure. 1990. Yeah, not the, uh, not and, the Colin Farrell one. Right. And they and they of course they uh they they rig the video to show Schwarzenegger's character not saving the 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 hostages, but killing the hostages. Yeah. That's the world we live in now, where they are literally creating events. And by the way. Nancy Pelosi's documentary creating daughter was at the Capitol on right. J6. I mean, again, there's so much weirdness around this event. But I say all that. Sure. You, you are 100 percent right. 
that politics forever will be about Donald Trump. Uh, we could be a, a new speaker. Mr. Speaker, do you condemn Donald Trump? Right. Uh, I'm sorry, Donald Trump has been, uh, he, uh, he passed away 20 years ago. Why am I condemning him today? You know, they, they, they've well, turned and, that, and this is my yeah. point is that, you know, we have the, the darkest, I will say one of the darkest moments in American history was Watergate, right? You know, it, for a lot of reasons. And, and it, it was, it was, well, okay. I mean, there are other presidents who'd been corrupt. There've been other corruption issues, but the point is president resigning and stepping away. A, there was a light there in terms of the fact that, that, it showed that the Republic would endure. We, you and I have talked about the Republic. It also showed that Richard Nixon was honorable. Talk about manufactured crises. You know, I mean, you know, part of the reason why Nixon didn't take, and you, you know the history, part of the reason why Nixon didn't take any of it very seriously was because he knew that Johnson and Kennedy and others had done much, had done sure. much worse. Right, right, right. But, but, yeah. but the fact is the media, the media hated Richard Nixon. And, and, right. You know, but th that's also not to say that Richard Nixon wasn't paranoid and I, I certainly have other policy problems with, with the Richard Nixon administration. My point is, Nixon resigns in 74. Um, we, have, we, we endure four years of Jimmy Carter from 76 to 80. Jimmy Carter was, I would say, not quite as feckless as, as Joe Biden. I mean, they probably are in a race for each other, by the way. Safe home to Rosalind Carter, um, um, you know, out of respect for, for her and that family. But my point is that the 1980 election was about Carter's record, and it was about the hostages, of course, and it was about the economy. It was not about Richard Nixon. Um, you know, what was it? Yeah. Thirteen years later, um, when Republicans—no, I guess it was fifteen years later—the uh, '94 election, '95 uh, session of Congress. Uh, you know, Newt Gingrich isn't getting asked about Richard Nixon. You know, when he when he takes on. Right. What is different about now? Is it is it the internet is forever? Is it the that we now have a, an even greater advocacy press that Watergate opened up the doors? Is it that that Reagan was such an affront to the left and Reagan's election was such an affront to the left that uh, um, and then what they did to Bill Clinton that they that they feel that they that they have to they have to relentlessly tar everyone with the brush, right? Not every Republican candidate in 80 was tarred with the brush of Richard Nixon. Anyway, I just, I, I, well, I, th I, I think, I think the answer I'm, is, I think the answer is, is both simple and complicated. <laughs> um, you know, you and I have made the point forever that the left projects. Yes. They are doing what they're accusing their opponents of well, doing. Well, certainly Pascarelli is 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 projecting when he talks about these things. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jerry. And so anyway, so you know, it was the Clintons who uh, popularized in politics the phrase politics of personal destruction. Yeah. And all the while while they were talking about the politics of personal destruction, Hillary Clinton was was destroying their reputations and threatening uh, women who had been raped or or molested by her husband right so and, and, you know and and so and then and then they they warped speed they they warp sped it yes. uh, and, what, and what, remember the, hit election, the gas pedal jerry remember the election of of, of 96 yeah um everyone was talking about the newt that stole christmas yeah they again they personalized it newt Gingrich was the devil uh, and then while they were doing this, right, uh, there there were calls back then, you know, about do you uh, do you uh, uh, condemn uh, Nixon Reagan's use of the of the you know the Southern, the strategy. Southern strategy? It's a very good and, point. And Jerry. and so and so so the the Democrats realized that politics is warfare, uh, and they started to engage in real fighting, destroying people's lives and reputations. And while this is happening, right. The 60s, 70s, into the 80s, you have the whole diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, gender, uh, uh, gender, and and uh, racial identity politics makes the leap. Right, the virus it makes the leap from the university uh, to the culture, and yeah. so you have these things happening at the same time. And that, and 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 and, and then then we have the Trump presidency. I'm sorry, the uh, the Obama presidency. 
And he just, again, he just put into overdrive. Right. Uh, th- this man was, 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 uh, you know, <laughs> uh, what's the word? Machiavellian. He was, uh, he was going after people using Thanksgiving as a maniacal. Yes. Yeah. Using Thanksgiving to separate families. Uh, he had the, uh, the listening line to turn in people who were talking yeah, let me, let me, about, so let about me, let me, let me, you know, all the rest you. of it. So I, I kept a running list. Um, yeah. In fact, I can, I can pull it up. I, I called it slouching towards fascism. And it was a list of all of the things that the Obama administration yeah. was doing to go after their political opponents. Actually, some of it wasn't political opponents. Some of it was about the nationalization of, you know, going after banks and going after the automobile industry. Um, but there was attack watch which was a, a website at which you could report your neighbors. There was uh, the the reporting the fishy emails situation. My favorite one, and I've said this on the air, those of you who are regular listeners know this is my favorite, using research monies for the National Cancer Institute, monies that were supposed to go and find a cure for cancer, the Obama administration dovetailed over to, uh, to uh, do research attacking uh, the Tea Party movement, the major political opposition, oh, and then the IRS, the IRS targeting. Of course, I mean this was yeah. again. But I'm so, saying my favorite was using cancer monies to go right. after political but, but opposition. You, but, but but our point is, I think we're making the same point, which yeah. is we are. Is how did we get here? Well, we've it's been happening in plain sight the entire time. Yes. Yeah, you know? and it's accelerated over time. I I, yes. my, my, I guess the the overall the overall point was not so much how did how did we get here, but how do we how do we go back? What 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 was it between what was it between 74 and 1980 that changed that allowed? And we've I think we've 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 covered that, you know, very you know, much I was, so. Who said this? I, you might have mentioned I get the it, car. But no, someone mentioned that maybe what the GOP should look for our audience, you all know that Andrew and I have very serious issues with Donald Trump. Um, uh, and, and so I'm not going to go into those, but you know, there is this argument that the left is not going to relent, right? That the left is winning. Oh yes. Going back to, going back to my, uh, my broken arrow, uh, uh, scenario, they are within the compound. They are within, you know, the enemy has broken our lines. So maybe it's just time to hold our nose uh, 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 circle the wagons, the argument circle of, the wagons of around, around Trump. of ours, Jerry, um, yeah. someone, I will say this much. I'll use a code. Someone who thinks Paul McCartney should be writing better songs. He put out yes. this thesis and it's a, and it's a, and it's a brilliant thesis. I'm sorry. Expound on it a little. No. More. And again, you know, the you idea know, is if you're going to, if you're going to be, if you're going to, um, if you're going to lose with this guy anyway, you might as well try to win with him. Yeah. Right. 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 It's right. It's, it's the line from the movie singles. If you're going to have the surgery, have the surgery. Yeah. And again, the, the only, the only way, I mean, I, I, again, I, and I, I do think this, Andrew. I, I think, I think my friends on the what you would call the MAGA right yeah. are a hundred percent correct when they say the reason why the left, the me, the, the the mainstream media, the Democrats are going uh, all out. They're apoplectic about Trump. They are, you know, we use the phrase, you know, Trump broke their mind. I'm beginning to think Trump didn't break their mind, but rather their minds are clear, and they understand wow. that Trump is so angry. That he will take power and he will do unto others as they have done to him. Yeah, and they will, and and we will see. Uh, uh, I don't think this is necessarily a good thing, but I think everything we saw that the left do in terms of politicizing justice, in terms of of using uh, riots and civil unrest and chaos uh, to its advantage, this they're terrified. They're terrified. That Trump's going to do to them what they've been doing to us. Right. But here's the thing. Bring it back to reality. Trump, all these accusations against Trump about being a tyrant, a fascist, whatever. But yet he 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 never did anything right. near what Obama and what Biden have done. Absolutely. So this really is projection. 100 percent. They're they're afraid. You can't because they know if if they were Trump. What they would do, Jerry. You can't be a fascist and at the same time shrink the size and scope of federal power. When you when you give the federal government less power, that is power yeah. that can't be abused. It, it's 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 just that simple. In in the end, you know, it, it is. 
anyway, it, it we're, 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 we're facing, I, I am, I am not looking forward to, this is the first time in a very long time that I'm not looking forward to the primary season. Um, which well, we've been, off, we've been in it I, and I've been, and I've been angry over it because but, I do think that the Republican party, which is a private entity ought to create rules. So it gets the candidate it wants. And they, and they haven't done that. Um, this current, um, chairperson is inept would be a kindness uh would be a compliment uh, the republicans are just neither here nor I there don't understand how she has managed to survive now i'm out of that loop i used to be much more because i guess who wants loop. the job well right who wants the job is part of it i mean i think you think of a couple of folks who would be great i'd be right who 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 would want it i think it's also that you know learning from the mistakes of other previous chairmen which is to say if you don't have the if you don't have the political consultant class constantly sniping at you, if you're doing what you can to take care of them, it allows you to stay in power, which is a very sad way of 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 looking at this. I mean, here's I guess my 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 concern is that the the really the primary is a foregone conclusion at this point. Maybe that's also why Donald Trump is going to uh, allegedly participate in the next debate, right? If I hear rumors he's going to show up on the stage for the the December sixth debate. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but by count, the way, we've it. got this. We've got this debate that I am looking forward to between DeSantis and uh, and um, um, why do I want to say Gilligan? Gallon Gavin Newsom, Gilligan <laughs> Newsom. Um, uh, which I I that's the debate I want to see. You know, Cato just recently released its um its uh its rankings uh, for most free states. Economic freedom, personal freedom. Cato and did again, it or Mercatus did it? I thought it was Cato, but I, I might be Mercatus wrong. Mercatus is the one that usually releases. I'm sorry, Jerry. Didn't don't want to derail. Well, we're, we're, yeah. I have to go back and check now. But for our audience, you know, you know, go and double check yourself. It's either Cato yeah. or the Mercatus Center. And the funny thing is, is California is in in the, in the bottom five, of course, and, and Florida is in the top five. Yeah, yeah, and 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 and. And either way, right? Either way, if it's Cato or Mercatus, these are not Republican organizations. No, so, in fact, if yeah, you look at if you if, if you look if you look at the criteria, it's a it's it's there are there are values and there are items that both the left and the right um, would support. Sure. And so yes. you know, like for you know, transportation, access to transportation, also access to legal cannabis. I mean, this is a this really is a. Uh, a wide ranging uh, um, way of looking at uh, economic and, and personal freedom. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Hey, listen, let's, let's turn our attention to, uh, to some uh, happier things. And I had one thing that I wanted to bring up and now I forgot what it was, but let's start here with, uh, with the, 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 the Christmas season, Jerry, now that it is, the season is upon us. Um, you know, for me, there are I I really take great pains to not listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. I don't. Oh know yeah, you... uh, yeah. Our house it's not allowed until after yes. Thanksgiving. So, what is your kickoff song? What do you uh, or do you have a couple of top ones that you? Well, I mean, it, you know, I mean, there's so many songs and so many artists who have, um, you know, who have their uh, their versions. So for me, it's less the song and more the who. So it's it's Johnny Mathis. It's uh, it's Elvis Presley, um, it's it's Dean Martin, uh, it's Frank Sinatra, uh, and then for for the kids, especially for like Liam and Grace, it's Mariah Carey, and it's and you know it's uh, and it's the um, uh, what is that what is that group, the uh, the and their acapella, oh uh, te- te- the um the, the you know what I'm talking about? Tonic one, technotonic or whatever it is. Something like that. And yeah. For that, and so for me, you know, once I hear Frank Sinatra singing Sleigh Bells, you know, or or Elvis Presley uh, doing uh, Blue Christmas, uh, for my wife, it's being it's being it's being the, uh, the seminal Bing Crosby album. Oh my goodness, yes. So and so it's so, interesting. Yeah. So, but for so, me, so. for me, it's Johnny Mathis because when I was a kid, my mom and dad had. I'm sure your mom and dad had the same thing. Had the the stereo that was a piece of furniture. Oh yes. You know, this huge thing that was up against the wall. And, uh, you know, part of it was where the records played. And then you kept all the records on the other half and everything else. And I knew it was Christmas time because my mom would take out Johnny Mathis. Sure. And play the Johnny Mathis Christmas album. For us, it was the it was the Bing Crosby Christmas album. Yeah, and for Erica, for my wife, the, for my wife, Erica, the same thing. So so it's interesting. So uh, for me, it's it's uh, two songs. Uh, Father Christmas by the Kinks. 
that sort of kicks it off for me. Uh, or uh, Greg Lake's um, I Believe in Father Christmas, which I'd, I'd love. I love that song. Um, you know, Elsewhere in the Household, for my brothers, you remember this one from Z100 growing up, uh, Dominic the Donkey? Oh, my goodness, yes. Dominic the Donkey kicks it off for, for, for my for my brothers. They, they, uh, we, so we, we played that one. Um, for my uh, older daughter, it's uh, The Twelve Pains of Christmas. Uh, which is a Bob Rivers parody song. It's in which in which there's a guy who does an Archie Bunker impression, yeah. which uh, which uh, which is always good. I mean, we you know for us we'll we'll get we'll start watching the Nutcracker. It, it, we went to um, we went to the tree lighting ceremony at uh, the Williamsburg Inn on Friday. That was sort of the first major event of of the season, and and they were playing that. And I was talking to my folks because we used to go. Uh, we used to go to the Nutcracker at the. Have you ever taken? Have you ever taken your family there? The Nutcracker, the New York City Ballet. Um, yes. In okay. fact, my 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 sister in law Monica uh, danced uh, for the New York City Ballet. And, Is that right? And, and we used to go see her in the Nutcracker. Oh, that's amazing! So she was uh, the, the Princeton Ballet, also um, the Feld Ballet. Okay. So she would be in different companies. But every year, regardless of what company she was in, we'd go see the Nutcracker. Oh, there you My go. My favorite yeah. Nutcracker story, though, and I'm interrupting you. No, go ahead. Is seeing the first time I saw the Nutcracker, she was dancing for the Princeton Ballet. Okay. And it was kind of a cold, snowy evening. Right. And we went down and we went to Princeton. And you've been to Princeton. It I've been to Princeton. Be, you know, picture Princeton at Christmas time. Sure. Beautiful. It, it's just, you know, and, and then we went to see the Nutcracker. I just fell in love with it. Yeah. No, see, for us, it was, it was, it was one of those things where it was a chore and, you know, you didn't appreciate it when you're, you know, 12, 13 years old, you know, going to dress. Well, I didn't go as up. a kid, you know, my mom and dad weren't, uh, you know, we went to see the tree. We went to see the tree at Rockefeller uh, Plaza. Uh, and then we went to Tad's and, and nice. <laughs> to, have, to have a little dinner, little dinner. You remember Tad's? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Tad's uh, Tad steaks. Of course. Yes. Big yes. Red sign. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I remember that, but yeah, so we would, we would go, but it was years later. So I, 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 I love it. We've taken the kids back once we're talking about going up to New York, uh, after the holiday, uh, for well, a go couple of days. Find out, is there a local company and go support? Well, there is, there is. They, they, so, so it's funny because, um, uh, Abby, when she was in choir, uh, you know, there's a choral piece, um, um, in it. And, uh, and she went and sang with the choir, um, uh, up down in, down at uh, Christopher Newport college, which is a college near us. Yeah. Damn it, Jerry, there was something else I wanted to talk about. So well, yeah, uh, so, you know, one, one thing also just real yeah. quick. So when oh, I was I when I was a question kid, for you. my friend Anthony Shiro, his mom was a Rockette. Right. Now, one nice thing about living in or near New York was you lived near and among New Yorkers. Yes. Anyway, and so she was a Rockette, and uh, and I remember when we were little, we'd go. Uh, uh, well, I was I was little. I was I was I was the oldest. So I was I mean I wasn't that little, but you know maybe I was more teenager. But we used to go see the Christmas Spectacular every year. Oh yeah, so I've with never the, been to that with, with the Rockettes and never everything been to else. the Rockettes. That was always a big deal. That was expensive for my parents, you know. So, so let me ask you this: Did you wind up going to see the uh, the Hunger Games movie on Friday? No, my okay. my children did. Okay, they That's thought right. it was fan- they thought it was fantastic. I want to see it. I've been ill, as you know. I've yeah. I, I, I've uh, had a hard time the, the last week or so. Um, so uh, Thanksgiving night and then friday we binge watched all four of the hunger games so we watched we watched those last week in anticipation of my kids going to see it but here's my here's my question there's a there's a greater point here which is covid broke the movie industry or broke the broke not the movie industry per se but going to the movies broke the 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 it's not it's not it's not like it was it's it's one of the because there are a bunch of movies out there that normally i would be out there seeing you know the the new paul giamatti movie yes we would have gone to see the marvels we would have gone to see the 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 new hunger games movie um there's another one coming out in the next couple of weeks that that we would ordinarily go see and no no interest whatsoever it's like well remember this too remember when we were younger going to the movie really meant going to uh, a a a palace a a real theater i mean i I remember when i remember being little we went to go see murder by death um 
Remember Nancy Walker? Great movie, yes. Yeah. Great anyway, Nancy we, Walker, we, sure. we went to go see that at, at, at the RKO like on Fordham Road, and I was. You walk in, it's it's this grand lobby, and there's red carpeting and these massive steps. It was like you were in in a, in the Vanderbilt Mansion. It was it was you know so for us for something like that it was going to see. I saw Battlestar Galactica. I don't remember the the two part first episode of Battlestar Galactica was a yeah. feature movie. I did not um, know that. At the Lowe's on 86th Street, my dad well, they, took me there. No, no, but all right. And I get your point. You know, sometime in the 70s and into, into the right. 80s, the movie theater became uh, became more utilitarian. Yes, the the and movie movie land the, on Central the, Avenue. Right. But that being said, yes. even then, there was a huge screen. Right. Now, my local theater, um, I'm, I'm not going to exaggerate, but it's, they're like widescreen TVs. Yeah, we just saw something you in know? IMAX. Um you know why go to a movie was. if it's not worth seeing on the big screen? That's that's exactly, and, and they don't make movies like that any longer. Well, I mean, they make it. So there was one that came out. Uh, shoot, like Top Gun. Know, Top Gun. Top Gun. I think Napoleon. If I had any interest in seeing the Napoleon movie, now that the reviews have come out, yeah, um, you know that would have been good. Certainly not the Golda Meir movie or the. Uh, I don't need to yeah. see the Paul Giamatti. But do you see my movie. point though? It's, it's oh the um, it's, the 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 Yorgos uh, the guy who did the Lobster. Um, um, the one with uh, Emma Stone, where she plays it's a Frankenstein movie. Oh yes, I know. You're I don't. About. I don't need to see that on the big screen. But the thing uh, is, is that you can't even find a big screen anymore. So yeah, COVID. COVID did break uh, the experience or the culture of going to the movies, but I think it was already breaking. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's there's a, there's a certain uh, truth to that. Um, it's just it was not nearly as much fun as it used to be. And also, to be honest with you, um, uh. You know, it kind of coincided. You know, it, I'm not sure if I take my kids to see a movie uh, in Washington D.C. Sure. or Baltimore. It's dangerous. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just no, it's no. just it's just plain dangerous. Yeah, and that, I, you know, don't underestimate. You know, I mentioned this early in the program. No. Don't underestimate the impact that the rise in crime and the lack of aggressive policing, the impact that's having on small businesses, the economy on families, families moving out of cities, and all yeah. the rest of it. No, I, I agree with that. Jerry, um, um, we're, we're going to try to do a couple of these between now and and the end of the year. Uh, we're going to be trying to do some of them more more regularly because- I, I, got, I got two positive things before we go. Please. Before I give my, you know, find the truth. Number one, yeah. Bergen Catholic High School. Okay. Uh, won its 20th state football championship last night. Hey, congratulations. Um, I watched it. Uh, it was uh, uh, NJ.com covered it. And uh, it was the it was the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. Uh, the 20th time. I'm proud to say that my my year, I think we were, we had won the sixth championship in school history. So it's nice to be, you know, I saw the they have all the championship banners up and my, you know, my, my, our year was 86. And, uh, uh and so Bergen Catholic high school, again, a premier in, in, in contrast, Jerry, the uh, Jamestown high school where my kids went to school, oh my goodness, uh, they made national, they, they made national news losing 104 to nothing. I know that I, I, two, I, end, I, two ends of the spectrum, $50 billion, yeah. $3 trillion. Nah, and the last, the last thing is too, yeah. is I know a lot of people think about, the holidays and they're worried about, well, I can't fit into this suit and there's all the embrace the holidays. I get stressed out. I love how ho- I love Thanksgiving because it really is low key. It's a meal. It's faith. It's family. It's football. It's conversations. It's family coming together. There's not a lot of pressure in terms of, of, of and, the family budget. Jerry, I got you. I just want to let you know, I got you a new suit. It's a red velvet suit. It's got Thanks. this amazing white wow. collar around it. It comes nice. with a I matching like it. It comes with a matching hat. No, I'm only joking. And I've been a big bag. But um, but he, you know, I, I I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I'm thinking about, you know, um, there are things we can do to stay healthy during this this time. And for a lot of people, you know, the financial pressure of Christmas. I love baby Jesus. I love the story of Christmas, but it gets lost with all of the financial right. worries. So I'm gonna try to I actually wrote it down, I'm calling it. I'm calling the I'm calling it the Christmas eight. All right. Eight things I'm going to do um, uh, 30 days, you know, the 30 days of Christmas. Sure. Uh, I'm going to try to eat a high protein diet. Good. I'm going to drink lots of water. Good. I'm going to pray. Good. 
read. Excellent. I'm going to either meditate or do uh, uh, scriptural devotions. All right. I'm going to try to avoid sugar. I'm not going to, I'm not going to totally avoid it because if my wife makes a beautiful uh, uh, pie for Christmas, I'll eat it, but avoid sugar or, or maybe more broadly uh, avoid processed foods. I'm going to exercise daily. And I already know how to do this, but um, I think everyone should learn how to fight. And I'm going to teach Liam. I'm going to, I'm going to teach Liam some really good moves uh, this Christmas season on how to, right. how to, on how to fight and protect himself. I'm, 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 I'm going to follow Jerry. I'm going to follow the Elvis TCB oath. Are you Take familiar with the TCB oath? Taking care of business, baby. Yeah, TCB. But are you familiar with the oath? What is the oath? Tell me oh, the, the oath. oath. By the way, it's so funny you say that. Can you see this here? No, I can't because it oh. gets hidden in the. Is that does it say TCB? Or yeah, Elvis? it does. It's Let's my Elvis. That. It's my Elvis pin. All right, the uh, the the TCB oath for the members of the Memphis Mafia, Jerry. Yeah. More self respect, more respect for fellow man. Respect for fellow students and instructors. Respect for all styles and techniques. This is karate. Yes. Well, no, it's not all karate. Body conditioning, mental conditioning, meditation for calming and stilling of the mind and body. Sharpen your skills. Increase mental awareness for all those that might choose a new outlook and personal philosophy. Freedom from constipation. <laughs> You're not serious. I swear to God, I'm serious. You're not serious. I am. TCB technique, all techniques into one, applying all techniques into one. And then you say uh, uh, Elvis Presley eighth, because he was the uh, he had an eighth level black belt. Freedom right, from well. constipation, Jerry. I think that should be a nine on your list. Yeah, I don't really have that issue, so we're all right. <laughs> oh anyway. my my word! All right, Jerry. Yo, uh, so what's your schedule like? Um. You on on Sunday doing anything? Oh film? yes, I'm on Sunday. I'm on uh, uh, several days in December. I'm also I have a lot of recording to do for the uh, the Business, Business of America. America podcast. So yeah, I'll be doing a lot of recording but over the next. You got a couple of episodes on that that need to drop, right? Yeah, I got a couple episodes, and then I have some big ones coming up. I have um from Balotopia. Nice. I have uh, I have uh, the CEO founder Lessa Graves uh, coming up. I'm going to also interview John Tamney, excellent uh, from uh, Real Clear Markets, and uh, and a host of others. We have a really good lineup of uh, of guests for the Business of America, and of course the Jerry Rogers Show uh, Sunday seven to ten on WBAL. I say this and I mean it, and I, yeah. I, I it might it might have started out as a joke, but then again, many a truth was said in jest. Um, my Sunday show is the most important Sunday news show in the country uh, on Sunday. I gotta go. WBAL. I will not dispute uh, go, that. Go check out the app. Go go download it. The podcast is up. I'm telling you, we're talking about things that no one will talk about. Similar here, to here. the, similar to the, uh, 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 you know, I take the Jerry, uh, the Andrew and Jerry, uh, podcast, Save the World podcast. This is this is the ethos of the um, of the of the radio show as as it should be. So so listen, I've got to, I'm doing a, a ton of filling work. I, I just got asked to do some filling work. Uh, the last week of December for a, a national show that I can't do because I'm filling in for Tony Katz that last week of December, uh, filling in for Larry O'Connor on O'Connor Company WMAL um, the week of uh, the week of December 11th, and then for the first couple of days of the following week, the 18th, 19th, and 20th. Uh, oh, wow, we got a brand that's new. A, what was that's, that? a busy, that's a busy schedule, right? Yeah, there. we got a brand new. So you do you doing a full week? I am doing eight days, so wow. uh, eight days a week. Uh, I'm doing a Beatles full week, Jerry. All right, so I'm doing a, you know I'm doing BAL weekdays. Um, I think like the 18th and the 19th, okay, and and, and that sort of thing. But I, you know, I'm not going to do five days in a row. That's no, no, no. I, I I'm 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 all in for this. Uh, then uh, we got a brand new episode of the Lunch Hour with Federal Newswire. Uh, interviewing this week Rob Gordon, uh, uh, expert on property rights. We talk about the weaponization of the Endangered Species Act. That's a good one. You're going to want to go in. Oh, he's not the guy out. from Wall Street Gecko. No, not uh, not Robert Gordon Gecko. Though no. I I I saw the anyway I went down that rabbit hole over the weekend, um, and then uh, yeah we get we're launching a new podcast, uh, Swamp Secrets, exposing regulatory dark matter uh, that hopefully is premiering this week. We've recorded the first episode, going to record Excellent. another episode of that this week. Uh, awesome. That'll be on the on the CPAC platform. In fact, we want to thank the good folks at CPAC because they are also helping to promote Andrew and Jerry Save the World. Uh, Jerry, what do you want folks to do? It's becoming more and more difficult, but find the truth, 
plant your feet, stand firm. Have a great week, everybody. Have fun and please stay safe.